Hi folks, today, today's episode is kind of a starting off on a, uh, a ranting type of foot and it's um, I'm, one of the rants that I kind of wanted to start on was, you know, um, was about closed source operating systems and um, how like the dangers of using them, but also, you know, if you are going to use closed source systems, use them. Like, I am comfortable with still using closed source systems and we'll continue to use them. But, if you want to, for example, um, if you wanted to say, for example, have a toy computer, but you're interested in how operating systems work, or you want to be anonymous, or you want to be um, more safe and secure, you start using open source um, systems. Um, Because open source systems are more secure. You want to use um, systems that don't uh, force updates on you all the time. You want to use systems that don't have an open front door, an open back door. And you know, say to yourself, what am I using this for? Am I using it for web browsing? If so, um, what system do I need? Um, you know, do I need a Linux system? Or, you know, for example, what systems like apps out there, uh, what open source apps are there? And there are tons of things out there you can get. If you're an iOS user, um, only use iCloud for the bare minimum. And also, you know, the thing with, um, like, using a closed base like, system or app um, is, you know... So, stop using iCloud, use NextCloud, only use iCloud as a tool. I only use iCloud. I don't really use iCloud all that much because it's very slow and clunky. And even though I've paid for more storage, it's still not giving me the storage I want. And this is is the thing I want to make. The things you pay for, you don't get the full freaking thing. It's the same thing with internet. You don't pay for your full internet speed. So anyways, um, back to open source and closed source. Uh, Only use... Only pay for what you get. So, if you buy a full spec operating system, don't pay for any extras. Don't buy more storage. You don't need that. Don't buy um, any add-ons, any features. If you're going to use iCloud, use it for what it's there for. Use it so you can get in and outcoming mail. Use it for um, use it for your backups if needs be or whatever. Do not save anything to iCloud. Don't. Please do not save anything to iCloud. Use Nextcloud if you must. Sorry, no. Use Xcloud. Use Google Drive if you must, or use OneDrive if you must. Don't, again, if you're using OneDrive, only use them 
for backups or like conversions. Only use Microsoft Word for convers- for uh, converting LibreOffice documents um, if you need to. Start using LibreOffice. Start using um, Audacity. Start using uh, GIMP Editor, which is like Photoshop. Start using things that are open source. And if you have the money to fund them, please do so. Please make sure that you give them the love. Um, Because these people are more secure. They're not forcing you to update. Um, They're not forcing you with updates. They're not forcing you with information. They're not forcing you with anything. Um, As soon as you use their their systems, um, you know, and plus, you can modify it if you want. You can modify that and... uh, it even says it in the license agreements that you have that you can modify it or you can build modifications for them. And some of these open source systems, some of them are actually community-based as well. So it's, it's caring about something and these people will care about your creations and creativity and that's what we want and that's what we need. We need to stop selling our soul to the devil. Um, anyways, that's what I'll start with. Hi folks. On the last episode, I discussed addiction. In this episode, I'll be discussing conformity and creativity This is going to be a very ranty episode. (laughs) You've been warned. And as Imaginary Andy said, you've been warned. Um, I want to come out about something else. About talking to myself. Creation, creative work, creating worlds. And normal and strange. And all that kind of stuff. And I'm just going to say, viewer's discretion is, is advised. Um, and I'm going to tell you now, I don't care what people think. And that is like conformity. I wish, I sometimes wish that I could create a group that was like the exploding galaxy in 1967. Um, The exploding galaxy was a group of um, people who had these strange ways of deprogramming people. I wish there was something like that for... Like... Conformity and non-conformity. The conformists don't know how to create. I'm sorry, they don't know how to create. Their imagination is always put to the back of their minds. And they don't seem to 
Um, they they just don't want to. Go outside the box or go against the grain. And sometimes you've got to go to ground to please people, to make people comfortable. But you don't. I hate authority. I think authority is the biggest wanker out there. Um, and, you know... I think authority, it's there to control people. It's there to belittle people. And parents are a great example of authority, politics, police. All of that, the law, the army, the navy, the air force, all the forces, all the people that are powerful. Um, and even politicians. And people who have the authority, they use it for wrong will. And that's where I think, this is why I hate mainstream. The mainstream media says, we've got the authority, you haven't. So fuck off. And I'm not just using that because I want, you know, just because I'm using it. That is basically what mainstream media is telling you. What mainstream media is telling you. Censorship. Oh, everything's censored. We must censor this, censor that, censor the other, you know, censor everything. Why do you think mental health isn't still, still, there's like, they, they talk about mental health, but it's still a taboo subject. Why? I'll tell you why. It's because the mainstream media is still wants people to be normal and strange people to be strange. Now, of course, we're not living in the 90s anymore. But I'm telling you now, there is some people that haven't and will not change, no matter what times we are living in. Because they do not agree with these times. Why do you think care in the community doesn't exist? First of all, you need to have a community that cares and you need to build your own community that cares. And I'll talk about that in another episode. But um, before I go into the history of me talking to myself and imaginary friends and stuff and go right out there, I'm just having a rant about conformity. Because I need to, people to understand that people... That people who want you to be a certain way, are the most disgusting and vile people out there. Even your parents. Now, I'm not saying you should hate your parents, but it's like when people want you to be a certain way or act a certain way, 
you know? It's like, because they think it's strange or whatever. And they're uncomfortable with it and they'll always be uncomfortable with it. And that's why I say, fuck you, if you're uncomfortable with it, be uncomfortable with it. Um, and if you care about what someone thinks, then why do you even leave the house? Why do you even go out? Why do you even do anything? You might as well stay in, cooped up in your little bedroom, in your little bubble. Why should we become, why should people just be comfortable with something? Why? And make sure you're reading your newspapers every day and make sure you're believing in the conspiracy theories that television wants you to believe. Watch those talk shows every day. Watch morning television. Turn on the news every evening. Make sure you're clean cut. Make sure you're listening to what everybody wants you to believe and believe in it. Believe in everything that everybody's telling you. Fashion. Be fashionable. Have a status. Everybody wants you to have that status. Flash that status around. Do not put yourself out there. If you've got pain, don't, you know, hide it away. Hold it in. Chin up. When you go to the shops, if you do decide to go to the shops, if you can brave yourself to go to the shops, have the stiffer upper lip. Oh yes, I'm using those terms again, folks. The stiffer upper lip. Be a man. Man up. That's what media wants. That's what the mainstream media wants us to say. Man up. You're a wimp if you care too much. Or don't care too much. And you're a wimp if you don't believe anything that the mainstream media is putting out there. And by Jove, you know, this is harsh and cold. But it needs to be said. Nobody is saying it. And I'm telling you something, if you, care, if you care about free speech, if you care about not what people think, if you do care enough about that, if you care about people's creativity, if you care about people's ideas, if you care about free thoughts, free everything, if you're more liberal. In fact, I just advise people to be liberal. Just be free. And do what you want to do. You know? Don't care about anything that happens. You know? If people are suffering... 
if, if you are suffering, go to somebody else who's suffering. Talk to them. But also, we need to um, tell people about some of the things that we struggle with every day. Everybody has struggles. But I think to think, what's this done for me? The authorities haven't done anything for me. Fuck them. (laughs) I mean the government, by the way. Um, I know I'm in the system, but there are certain things where I go, you know, screw this or screw that. But I don't... The the things, you know... And instead of moaning about something... um, First of all, wait up. Is this mainstream media? Or is it non-mainstream? I've challenged people with um, Greta Thunberg. And I actually felt sorry for her. um, Because she was being controlled. And it's like, we're now using vulnerable people to, you know, manipulate they're now manipulating vulnerable people to um, brainwash society. That I found really disturbing. And I challenged this with people and people were like, no, 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 she's actually sat off. Well, actually, no, it's because if you hear interviews with her, it was not something that she put together. It was something that somebody else put together and it had been written from other bits and pieces. Um... But to get up on a stage and, you know, and do that, and I think the thing you need to do is sometimes turn your back on society. Society wants you to, you know, I mean, if I did hear somebody else talking to themselves in the street, I'd just carry on walking. Unless they were doing harm to somebody or harm to themselves, I would probably, you know, stop by or whatever and observe. But I think that's the only time. We don't want to be harming anybody and we don't want people harming themselves. But if people ain't hurting anybody, what's the problem? People want it to be a problem. People want things to be a problem. Crying in public is another thing. Um, Why is that such a problem. If they want a shoulder to cry on, they will ask for it.
Um, and I know this sounds, like again, I know this sounds very cold, but I just feel very cold about the mainstream. Um, the mainstream once would rather people struggled Everybody struggles. They won't admit to it. If you listen to my last episode where I spoke about addiction, about my sugar addiction, but then I spoke about addiction in general, people won't tell you. People won't, they'd rather hide it. They won't listen. They don't want to listen. They'd rather not. And, but, if they're feeling bad, they're feeling low. If you stop by and, you know. I've met a few homeless people who I have helped. Um, helped. I've helped one or two peop- homeless people. I had um, I bought three cans of Dr Pepper once, and I thought I only want the two cans. It's the only time I did it, and um, there was this there was this man sat on the floor, and he was in a real bad way. He sounded really sad, so. I said, yeah, mate, here's a can of um, can of Dr. Pepper. And he was like, tar, mate, you know. And um, you can tell when someone's in a, you know, if they're feeling mentally ill because they'll accept the help. I once helped um, a guy out, he had some trolleys, it was a busy night. And um, he gave me the money. He gave me a pound and I ran over. It was on the busiest road. And um, I said, oh, I want um, a pack of Aero bars and a bottle of milk. And the people helping me must have seen me go back across the road because they helped me out to the store and they helped me across the road and I gave it to the homeless man. And then I went to Wilco's to get him some clips for his trolley, for his bags. And as soon as I came back to the corner, he was gone. So... I've, you know, I've helped a few people out and, um, but anyway.
So in my last part of this um, episode, I discussed about conforming and not conforming and how that is. And um, obviously, I don't take back anything. I would have deleted that recorded recording if I just thought I didn't believe in it. But I, you know, I believe in everything that was said in that. Oh, my toy phone ring. Hello? Can I call you back? I'm in the middle of something. All right, bye. Oops, I've knocked something off. I don't know what I've knocked off, but I've knocked something off. Um... I've lost the good old fidget spinner. I think it's on here somewhere. Um, as I was saying, I think that's what I've knocked off my fidget spinner. Um, As I was saying, before I got interrupted, because I knocked something off and I don't know what it was that I've knocked off. I'm sure it's my fidget spinner. I wouldn't know until I actually have a peer down here. Oh, two things I've lost. Um... So yeah, I was discussing about um, conformity and how um, how conformity is a can hold on to my slinky. Can't believe I've lost my fidget spinner. Really, really can't believe I've done that. doesn't light up, that's just a bouncy ball. Um, huh. I'm now looking through all my fidget toys, testing them out.
That doesn't sound good. This sounds all rattly inside it. Doesn't smell off. But it looks like Mm. Maybe something's going inside that. Um, why am I looking for a fidget spinner? <laughs> I've, got, I've got this really cool fidget spinner. Which I actually bought. Um, where did I get my fidget spinner from? The works. That's where I got my fidget spinner from. Um, I'll have to hold this, uh, this slinky instead. It's not really, you can't really do much with a slinky except uh, to jangle it around. There's three things I've lost in this room. No, two things I've lost. I've lost my other football shorts, my pair of football shorts which I have. And I've also lost um, my fidget spinner. Um, I'm sure it's around somewhere. It's um, one of those things that I understand will, will turn up at some form of stage or other. It might be underneath my hat, actually, because I dumped my hat down there. Yay, it's there. I thought it was there. Um, sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about conformity and spin my fidget spinner at the same time and hope people will listen. Um, I wanted to talk about first of all, I'm gonna talk about my fidget spinner because um, you know this fidget spinner is really really cool, and I want to get one with lights on it and. Fidget spinners, they really are great for annoying your gram. They annoy my gram. If you sit here and you just, you just, you just have a good spin of this fidget spinner. Like it is really, really good. It's like one of the best things that you could ever, you could ever do. And um, you know. It actually looks like a fruit machine reel. Mine, the one I got um, from the works, it's kind of weighty. And I just love how it feels. It's got rubber. It's nice to hold. Um, now, I've never seen any other fidget spinner apart from this one that I have. And it's £3 from the works, you know? It's, it's great. It's... Um, it's one of my favourite fidget toys that I have in my collection. And um, I might get another fidget spinner because um, they're really cool. I collected balls for a while, but um, the problem with like people send you balls and they send you like slimy. I don't do slime. Um, yeah. 
And you know that whoopy slime you can get? Oh, God. I hate slime. Yeah. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I'm not a lover. I'm not a lover of. I'm not a lover of slime. I used to be when I was younger, but no, not now. Speaking of slime, I have made slime, but I'm not into slime. I'm into something that stimulates me visually. And also, this fidget spin has a great sound. But, um, I don't know if there are any fidget spinners that are different than this one. Um, but I went into, like, my parents would probably not be happy of me getting a load of fidget toys, but still... Um, speaking of which, I am actually after a toy, uh, fruit machine, because, um, I liked, you know, I never used to play fruit machines for losing money. I used to play fruit machines because, um, I liked the lights and stuff. There was a machine that I used to play in, um... Where was it where I used to play? And um, it had all these great like flashing lights and stuff. And um, it's like you walk into the arcade and you know you watch all the flashing lights. In fact, on my way to um, the life rooms, there is a fruit machine arcade en route. And uh, I usually stand outside the arcade and just watch the fruit machines while I'm. Um, why I'm waiting. But. I just love this fidget spinner. It's. I love it. I absolutely bloody love the damn thing. It's. um. Yeah. I would love a I'd love another fidget spinner. Do you know when I got this, me and Imagine Randy, we, we threw it and I lost it and I was really upset. So I take it everywhere. I take it, you know. And I do have a power ball, but I'm gonna find out how to use it. I was gonna get a quick start one, but I'm gonna I've got my power ball as outside in the hallway. Um, but my bedroom, because it's got no windows in it, it'd be great to just have it like as a sensory room as well. I wouldn't want a bubble tube though, because they're like you got to fill them up with water and um, and stuff. 
But I would love um In fact I've got a laser which I don't use, so I'll just tuck the laser up. Um So yeah, what were we talking about before I talked about fidget spinners? Conformity, that's it. Um, all the stuff I said at the beginning of this podcast, I don't take it back. And that's why I haven't deleted the recording, because I listened to it and um, I thought I was going to write a script of this bit and thought, do you know what, I'm just going to talk and hopefully um, not bother with the script because... I want it to come from the heart, really. I mean, table readiness is still a thing. People say uh, conformity is like... But, you know, your parents want you to... You know, when you go outside, they want you to not be um, stimming or anything like that they they don't want you to they they kind of want you to when you go outside they want you to be as normal as possible which you know makes sense you've got to be as normal as possible but there are some things that you know it's going to be you know to be normal means to hold shit in and um it ain't good for anybody and there probably will be a blog article amongst other things and i think hand flapping has to be a thing that a lot of people talk about and rocking is another and here's the thing People are, some people are liberal to it. What you got to think is, you know, um, you know, what I said about people being comfortable, I've always said it, uh, but I've never stressed it till now. And I thought, well, you know, societies, it's like, you know, um, you, you wouldn't know what problems somebody had just by looking at them and talking to them you know yes there's some people you can tell they've got learning difficulties they've got learning disabilities you can tell but it doesn't happen with everybody it's not it's not a thing that, you know, you can sit with somebody and talk with them. And it doesn't always come out in their speech, you know. Um, as strange as that may sound. And here is why, you know, comforts are a thing that, we need to think about but also stress on um 
I'm just going to sit here and play on my fidget spinner because I love the fidget spinner. Just imagine if there was a massive one of these. But anyway, I wanted to talk about imaginary friends and but come on to the dark side of it and not come on to the schizophrenic side. Um, there's been a lot of people that have asked that and, uh, you know, I'll cover that in a, another episode about um, imaginary friends and seeing them and stuff and the spiritual side. Um, but I'm, in this episode... I'm going to talk about something that it's been uncomfortable for me to talk about because people have thought, well, this person's mad. Can I just say something right out of the hat here now? Well, I'm not in the 60s or 70s. Yes, the 90s was a time of normal and strange. But I'm just going to say before I begin, what I think's normal is... What I think's normal is somebody basically um, they they know how to handle themselves. It's normal. They. They don't do drugs. They don't do alcohol. They're not child molesters. They're not murderers. Um, they're not... Oh, crumbs. Do you know what? If some, someone told me to write list this down, you know, those few things would come at the top. I mean, when we were kids, you know, a stranger in the street would be Myra Hindley or Ian Brady. I want that to sink in. You know, you can pause the podcast now, uh, pause this and let it sink in. Because I'm telling you now, strange is where somebody... Because I always thought as a kid... You know, why, you know, we were always taught as a kid, you know, these people are sick in the head, they don't know what they're doing, you know, they're pure evil, whatever. Well, they're actually pure evil, you know. Um, because when I was about in my early teens, and I got talking with my next-door neighbours, and they said, no, these people, were, these people were not sick, they had no illness, they were just pure evil, they were cold, they were callous. They had no thought process of it. But I still think there was something going on in the head, you know. Um, but anyway, that's what I define as normal and strange. So, you know. And back in the day, a stranger was somebody who would who would lure you to their, to their car or whatever. Um, you know, there is... Um, as kids, you were told, do not talk to strangers. 
Well... You know, Stranger Danger is, it's, 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 the thing is, Stranger Danger's, uh, Stranger Danger is more about people who approach other people. But anyway, um, less of that and more of, and of course, you know, we look at the weird and the, the, like, for example, so, you know, um, we might look at somebody who, um, who dresses, um, in women's clothing. We might say that's weird. Or, um, I'm trying to think of something else that's weird, uh, off the top of my hat. Or, um... People who um, are a part of some organization where it controls its people anyway i've talked about weird and um you might have something i mean when when i look at something weird i look at something that's completely off the wall completely something that has its own thought process that people might find scary and unexplainable, like Eric Fournier's Shea St. John. And Shea St. John was a supermodel who uh, found it hard with the stresses of the world around Shea St. John. But Shea St. John has so many other meanings that, yeah... And um, it's like Shea St. John was a great piece of work, but Eric Fournier was also Shea St. John too. And nobody knew exactly what what um, what Eric Fournier's idea around Shea St. John spawned, but. Um, but they didn't know who Eric Fournier was, but they knew who Shay St. John was. And, um, so that's what I call weird. Where it freaks people out and people don't want to understand it. People don't want to know it. But, you know... If you get to sit down with something and you get to you get to know it, you get to understand it to the point where you say that's not strange anymore. Like we had a friend who um 
who people wouldn't they thought was weird because you know he fantasized over somebody and he sat with him and drank with him and he was all right So, um, what was I going to say? I kind of got lost in things that I wanted to talk about, but, um, that's right. Conformity. And non-conformity. I think that's what this podcast is, is all around. Um, and I wanted to come out about... I came out about sugar addiction in the last episode. And now I'm going to come out with something else in this episode. Which is a bit more of a sensitive subject. And by the way... Um, What I want people to understand is how we deal with this. You know, the 90s, the 60s and the 90s, we hope you know, we're different between the two. Um, in the 60s, the, uh, everybody was who was seen as strange or weird, you know, like people who heard voices or people who had delusional thoughts but it wasn't even that it could have been as small as people just not coping and people who had learning difficulties and learning disabilities people with autism they were basically locked away from society and they were dumped away and what people did was they sedated them and they gave them electric shock therapy and um, and even before that like the beginning of this the uh, before the 60s in the 1940s and the 1950s they were just locked in rooms um, like after the war they were locked in, in rooms but then in the 1960s um, they had all these drugs that came out. The first one being um, Largactyl, which was... No, uh, before Largactyl, they had... Um, they used to use insulin. And if you know what insulin does, you'll be kind of frightened to know that they used to use this with people that had mental health um, patients. So they did this to everybody. And there is a certain... Uh, before I talk more into this um there was a hospital which wasn't closed down till after the the uh the end of the 80s early 90s where it's a famous hospital where they tied people that had autism to radiators it's three o'clock 
And um, they did horrific things to people in there. They, um, they tied them to radiators and also they experimented with drugs. And going back to insulin, they used to put high doses of insulin into patients. Um, I'm going to link the uh, BBC Madhouse documentary um, to this episode in the show notes. Um, and I'm also going to link... Well, on our Facebook page, you'll find the video, and you can you can watch the whole video, and it tells you the history of the the asylum, and how it takes you to the. It sort of doesn't take to this current day, but you could say it starts, um, like the nineties, kind of the beginning of the twenty first century, how. Yeah, and even now, I still think we're so far behind. You know, we're not learning how things are. But anyway, they used to uh, give people very high doses of um, insulin. And... Uh, they also used to... Um, you they used to use ECT, which is um, I forgot what it stands for, but it's basically an electric shock therapy, and um, they would um, like they had lobotomies before that, and um, then they had the, the ECTs where they would give people electric shock electric shock compulsive therapy that's what ECT stands for it's still done today but there's a lot of paperwork that goes behind it they can't just give people ECTs now but it's still done they give ECTs out and um, but in the old days what they used to do was they used to do electric shock therapy to patients Without first they used to do it without anaesthetic and then they did it with anaesthetic and then they brought and then they brought in logectyl treatment and this was when like in the days of flower power so you're not telling me that these hippies were crawling around in the NHS experimenting with uh, drugs to uh, give to mentally ill patients or people with mental health problems um so i'm painting the bigger picture for people who kind of need the bigger picture basically and then what happened was they um after after largactyl they then started um experimented with more different drugs they decided in the end that you know sedation sedating people just wasn't working and it was a very frustrating time um so anyway 
Now we've discussed about uh, the 60s, let's discuss the 90s where we had the end of the asylum boom and there was these uh, two political words, normal and strange. If you're normal, you're fine. If you're strange, you're not normal. You don't do things that normal people don't do. So, now... <laughs> um, now I have educated those. Um, so, the problem with me talking to myself was like I said it started when I was about five and like you have an imagination when you're that age and and it's it's um, it's well encouraged that children have imagination but when it sticks with the person they encourage them to lose it and with some children yeah it goes but with some people it doesn't and we have to find and nobody finds out why they just assume that it's supposed to go you're supposed to be normal and so on and so forth so I must have been in year five I must have been in when I kind of knew that things were um, they weren't red and they weren't rosy and um, I'm going to have to go in a minute so I'm going to have to pause this recording but um, yes, things weren't red and things weren't rosy. They were uh, far from it. Um, and I'd started, you know, I started a new class and everything, but to to come with a new class, there was to be new um, new changes outside of the classroom and one of the changes was the imaginary friends now it was Like my real dad, even though he works in, even though he used to work in the mental health industry, um, he just wanted to make everything be normal. Again. And, um, you, you know, it's not like, even if you work in the mental health industry, you still can't wave a magic wand and accept everything to be as it should. So, 
Um, I was just a kid and didn't really know much. So my 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 dad had this idea of me carrying around a toy phone, which worked for the first weekend we did it. We first. Um, and I used to have to, the rule, well, not the rule, but the thing was, dad, my real dad used to say to me, hold the phone up to your ear and just keep talking on that phone. And so that used to happen. And, um, you know, and uh, someone grabbed the phone off me and pretended they were phoning their mum and then they gave the phone back. And it was one of those, like, Action Man phones, I think. Um, then um, we fast forward to I'm trying to think. Uh, it was April or June? I can't remember. The World Cup had started, so I'm assuming it must have been June. But, um... There's no before then. Like... You know, it, it bothered my stepdad and everything. And they, you know, people would say, oh, stop, you know, shut up and all that. And never know that it's... An autism thing or whatever and still I have for these many years have decided that like from what I've learned that you know you just sit your own room or whatever but you just assume at this day and age that people would ignore what goes on in the street and what have you um people can just deal with it um so um yeah going back to june i was at my dad's friend's christening and um i imagine my friends were there and i was you know talking to myself and then these kids were picking on me and I didn't notice that moment that people did bully people because it was it was the only time and to stop it it was like I was forced to conform I was told to shut up or stop and the toy phones at that point didn't become a tool to make things comfortable for people it became an excuse and so I, I just, this is where I think that, you know, um, you know, as a father, you shouldn't, you know, find that if something upsets you, you, you know, you, you deal with that, but you deal with it very differently, you know. 
and uh, people are always going to laugh and cackle and you know it's it hasn't mentally scarred me to whatever um, because I was kind of invisible to it it just upset I think it upset me at the time, you know, because you're a kid and you, you know, little things get to you. But um, I think the point is, you know, they they should know, people should know better. You know, and who knows, those kids that were laughing at me then could probably be having real bad issues now. They probably might have mental health issues, I don't know. mental health issues or they might have depression they might not have depression but they might have a learned disability and you know when the kids like they were older than me um i was about uh, i was about nine so they were about 10 or 11 And they should have known better, really. Um, you know. So, yeah. Another thing I want to talk about or tell you about on this... Um, this podcast... Is um, when I got into high school. What time is it? I'm gonna walk around the block, you see. So, counting to make sure that. Uh... Right. Um. So anyway, I left junior school and I went into high school and when I was in um, high school it became more of a problem You know, you try and hold things in, don't you, at the beginning of, of, of high school, but unfortunately it was something that I couldn't hold in anymore. I had things that I wanted to create, and they were my creations. They were no one else's. And... Um, So anyway, um, I decided that the imaginary friends, they would just come out and so on and so forth. I had the building company which started and all that and uh,
I play with my toy phones and And I remember getting my toy mobile phone. I remember my sending my mum out to Tesco to get me a toy phone and a phone case. I had um, <laughs> I had one of those um, Nokia phone cases, and it was the first toy mobile phone I had, and I just carried it around everywhere, and. Um, I absolutely loved it, you know. Um, and I also learnt about toy, f uh, well, like real mobile phones and what they did, and you know, like address book and contacts and. Well, you used to have actually on a mobile phone back in the day, you used to have your address book and your phone book separate. So you'd put your address in your address book, and then you put your um, your your phone numbers in the phone book. But then, I think was it when you had the Nokia thirty three ten that you could bind addresses and uh, phone numbers in the same thing. But so anyway. Um, So I got like through school like okay. I think the first two years of high school, um, I I noticed addressed that yeah it was a problem but nobody was doing anything. Um, I had a terrible time in year seven and year eight, and most of year nine. And I got to year ten, and. That's when I got my assessment, but um, also my real dad's my real dad had a different girlfriend at that point. Um, that's completely irrelevant. But she said, "Oh, it's not normal. You know, it's not what people do." And again, they were telling me to stop it and be quiet and shut up and all that thing. And then she said, "Oh, the you know the toy phones. They're an excuse and." you know and so you know um and then i when i was here at home i had to create my own world which i still have to this day and i've held on to that held on to that world for a very long time when i had the assessment i think was it in year 10 um school so it was in september i had the assessment and it the imaginary friends took over it and it was like you know yeah he's got Asperger's syndrome and I was like yes I can probably get more help and I never did I didn't I didn't get as much support as I could have got and I, don't, I didn't get um I got um, 
I was like, I used to go, I used to enjoy, like, I used to enjoy going to the play scheme because we used to do, like, drawings and arts. Yeah, I think we did arts and craft, I think. And um, I used to create my own... I used to have my own creations and stuff. And they had a keyboard that we could play on. And, um, and then they had a few... I think one year they had a... Trike you could ride around on. A trike and some, and they had some like scooter you could ride on as well. And they had these like things, and you could just, and then, um, I think another year they had um, a home mix. What did they have the last year that we went, that we did it, that we used? They had like a wheels for all day and then they had something else. They had a couple of circus days. Um, and that, but anyway, so moving forward, I left school and now realised that there's podcasts to be done. But, um, I also want to tell you something as well. Um, that today we are teachers and we're here to teach people about or educate stuff. The internet is becoming the place where I think people are going to be learning from these things. And um, there's going to be a bunch of links. There's... Um, there's the chocolate addiction. There's a woman on uh, tech, TED doing a TED talk. But um, I'm going to go and probably put this podcast out, I think, because there's nothing more to discuss. Um, except I still have my bubbles, I think. I'm not going to blow them, I don't think. They're still in there. Yeah, they are. Hi guys, um, 
before I didn't talk about creating worlds and, um, you know, I didn't talk about it. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk about creating worlds and, uh, why it's important to create a world and why it's important for people to try and understand my world or probably not understand that world. Now, a lot of parents, yes, a lot of parents say, um, and I've noticed this in a few conversations with my mum and they've, you know, I was in church a few times and they said, oh, uh, so-and-so's got in their own little world and it's bothering our parents. Well, why? You know, if you're finding it comfortable, and, and obviously this is a thing about comfort, you've got to see the comfort blanket. And the reason why people will go into those worlds is because people aren't, ex you know, people don't want to know them or they don't want to socialise with them. It's like you might as well bury yourself in a cupboard. And, and social so social circles didn't work for me uh, when I was um, crumbs when I was about starting off as a teenager uh, no before that so um, you know my sister always had a friend uh, she had a friend since primary school I couldn't I couldn't make well I could make friends you know it's pretty simple. Uh, but the problem was, um, with friends was that, um, they, it's like, they live too far away. So I had a couple of friends in my life and bear in mind, one of my friends that I had, she drifted apart, and, uh, yeah, and we're on Facebook, but still, I think, you know, we drifted apart, and it's still, you, 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 you learn that, and it's kind of painful, um, but she'll message me from time to time, you know, if I bug her with stickers, <laughs> this happens, you bug somebody with stickers, they say, what the hell's going on? <laughs> I remember, I'll tell you a funny story. I, I won't mention this person's name, but I remember messaging them about uh, one or two in the morning with about thousands of stickers. <laughs> they received them. <laughs> What's up, Stephen? It's three in the morning. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was kind of drunk at the time. Um, so... Um, but, you know, so I then, um, a social worker came along the scene and uh, said there's a place, it's called um, Play Barn on a Saturday morning. My parents always used to say to me, Stephen, you can go to this thing and just tell us if you if you don't like it, we can take you straight out of it. It's fine. You know, these, these kids, are, you know, they're disabled and some of them are, um, you know, they, you know, these kids, you know, it was like me just as a blind person, 
I wasn't. I didn't know about the Asperger's thing. But you know, uh, going into a friendship circle, the first time, and I went to this play barn, place, and I learned that not everybody was in the same into the same thing that I was. They weren't into well the music for first of all. They weren't into things like Sabbath or Motorhead, and they. Yeah, there was one um there was one place I'm trying to think where it was. Uh, uh, there was one guy that went to there and um and uh, basically you know I used to love you know my parents didn't like it when I wasn't playing in the ball pit, because that's what I went to do, but I used to love sitting with this guy and discussing um, tape recorders and films and film cameras and lasers and all these really cool things, I didn't get to learn about it at school, and I really wanted to know why, what does this, how does this work, and I would sit with him and I used to say, why does, what What did I used to say? Why, you know, how do these things work? And, you know, we didn't have, well, the internet was around, but I didn't know how to use it back then. So it was my source of information. So. But I used to go in the ball pit and go on the slide. And I remember my first time going on that slide on my own. And that's another story. But, um, but yeah, just the people there, like, kind of deserted me because, yeah. Anyway, um, and I met a few of them later on down the line. Um, but anyway, we fast forward to um, when I couldn't go to Play Barn anymore. They, I was about 14 years old. No, I wasn't. I was 13. I was 13 years of age. And um, I actually found out that they'd taken a friend of mine out um, who was... I actually, I've actually seen him quite recently, and um, so Mummy said, so this, this this guy came and I tried going to this youth club of an evenings, but I really missed those Saturday mornings, you know, going in there and I was always full of beans, you know, diving into the ball pool and um. And I just loved it, um, you know. And it was all done, you know. But um, anyway, so I went to this youth club 
And I didn't really make any friends there. There's a few people who... Uh, there was... Um, there was a couple of people there that... Um, got on with me. But... Not everybody got on with me, and um, it was a Christian youth club, and yeah, it was I don't know, there's a few people that liked me, there's a few people that didn't. It was uh it was just a new in seven o'clock PM Um It was just a new thing, it was a new a new place. And so um I left there in, and I was there for a while. I mean, I I enjoyed it for a while, uh, but I then left there in two thousand and five. I think it was no, two thousand and four, and I didn't go anywhere for a while. I just, um, because the friendship circles they didn't work and. Um, and now they do, so, um, and you see, when things don't work, when things don't pan out, you sort of, you, you go into places, you close the door, and, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about school, um, because, again, that's a different thing, it's more about interests and what people are interested in, if they're not interested in what you're interested in, which is why um, now we can build, we can build a community online, or it doesn't have to be online, you can, you know, you meet up with people, um, And you know you can meet up with people and you know, have, make sure that those people have got the same interests and build a community around it. Um, and that's how communities start. They start with small groups and then they grow and grow and grow. They're called community groups, but 
in actual fact. Um, a community, in my eyes, is built off, you know, 20 or 30 people helping other people out and branching off and it's, you know, someone leads that group and then other people throw ideas in and you follow the people, whatever ideas they may have. And, yeah. Um, so I thought I'd put that into this podcast. And um, your world might just be in your own bedroom or in a shed. But also, you need to consider the people are building that world. One, they're having a problem with socialising or social interaction. Two, they'll want it, but they don't want it. You know, you give every you give you give them everything on a plate, but in the end, they don't want it. Um, they'll never admit to not wanting it. I always said that I wanted to socialise, but then I didn't want to socialise. Um, in a way, it's good that people force you to do it because, you know, um, if I hadn't been forced at school to socialise in group settings and stuff, um. You know, and I remember there were people that encouraged me to do it. Certain people. Um, at the end of the day, if you want to do it, you know, if you want people to help you and encourage you, that's what you do. You won't love them for it. And I tell you something, you won't love them for it. But you can thank them later on, later on down the line, when there are certain situations. And I just think if I hadn't learned to socialise, you know, um... Of course, at home, I did it in, in little dregs and drags. You know, I would go and sit with mummy in the lounge, you know, or dad in the lounge, or when people came round, I would pop my head downstairs, whatever. Me <laughs> being the nosy person I am. But um, I think that I socialised when I wanted to, you know, if I felt that, oh, you know, there's people here you know, mummy's got her friends round, or dad's got his friends round, uh, dad used to have his friends round on a Sunday night, so I'd go down Sunday night, and I'd, I'd spend like an hour with his friends before returning to my room, you know, so it'd be things like that, and it was, it was only done when I wanted to do it, it was like, oh, I'll pop my head round the door and say hello, and sometimes, you know, dad would you know, have something, make a drink or have some crisps or nuts or something for me. So it's like, oh, I'll pop my head around the door and I'll sit around. And sometimes there'll be something good on television, you know. There'll be um, a rock gig on that Dad wanted me to watch with him and stuff like that. So, Or sometimes Mummy would tape something that she wanted me, that, I, that she knew I'd be interested in. So, Or sometimes, you know, we'd be there'd be something good and we'd watch it together, you know. And we'd sit and watch it together and my sister would be sat in the room. and, But it was on those odd occasions. You know, I'd, I'd be like, oh, you know. But um, I had everything in my room. You know, I had my video player, my television, PlayStation 1, 
my hi-fi system, had a keyboard, had everything. And it's like, you've got the resources in your room. Why do you need, you know, why do you need to um, go elsewhere? I mean, n now I've got a shed in the garden, so <laughs> that I can go. And in fact, I love going, when I go through that gate, I'm like in my little pen, so to speak, my, my play pen. I might call it that, <laughs> the play pen. <laughs> <laughs> the play plan with my with my play den in it and um in in the den where i go to uh if you want to call it that um i have my office but it's like i'll go in there and i i think that we should all have you know i think we should all encourage kids to you know that are struggling that have got autism that's struggling with the with the um if I had a son or daughter, you know, um, and they had autism, I would, and I'd say, right, you know, and say if, like, people are bothered about it, I'd say, right, well, we'll build a, a shed and they can go in the shed and they can close the door and they can be what they want to be. And it won't bother anybody. They can go in that shed, they can close the door, no one will hear them, no one will, no one will bother. You know, we'll just check in on them you know, we'll we'll go and we'll check in on, you know, your kids as you do. You go and check on them. And then, you know, check that they're playing all right. Check that they're, you know, they're not harming themselves or whatever. Because you need to check that. Um, of course, um, nobody, <laughs> anybody checked that with me. They just knew, they assumed that I was sitting in my room. There was one night, actually, I was really quiet. My dad, come up, my stepdad come up. He burst open the door and he goes, what's up? You're really quiet tonight. Oh, I've found a load of cassette tapes that I wanted to listen to. <laughs> and I decided that the headphones, you know, I had some really good headphones and I just thought, oh, I'll plug in the headphones and whack up the volume. <laughs> you know, which I did. And I didn't remember that. I didn't know that anybody was in the house. I kind of forgot, you know, I was completely zoned out that night. You know, I, I had um a friend of mine had given me, he was emigrating to uh, uh, Australia and he'd given me all his, C, all his like CD collection, you know. <laughs> it was all there in a bag. It was like all the heavy metal you could ever want to listen to in 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 a week. Well, it was actually a month. Um, it was just like I had about three plastic bags underneath my desk full of CDs. Might have been more. And oh, I just remembered... You know, um, and I was like, a, it was like all my Christmases and birthdays had come at once. You know, there was like three or four plastic bags of of um, CDs. Um, half of them gone, like, but you know, that's how the that was how the collecting started, and I had to go through them all. But um, I remembered I was just having this this evening off. I thought I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna look through the bags. I'm just gonna add a few cassettes on the on the deck and add a few CDs in the player, and I was just going through them. And I think I had a radio player that I was listening to, and I was had a few cassette tapes I'd made, and I was just going through them. And I had the Goon Show, and I was listening to that, and I was just completely zoned out of it. And I didn't know. Anybody. I thought Dad had gone out, you know, <laughs> and he hadn't, but. You know, this thing about having your own world and 
your parents they do kind of get uncomfortable with it and um you know there's like i said about the talking to myself in fact there's one there's a few things i didn't mention was you know it's like you hold something in and it becomes to the point where um It becomes to the point where it comes, you know, you have to let people have their own zone, if you get me. And I watched I watched a programme. It's called, it was called um, Born Naughty. And this kid, they found out he was autistic. And um, they built him a shed. They let him have whatever colour it was. They let him they let him design the shed. And they let him have his railway stuff and his Lego in there. And I just thought that is so, you know, like with me, I love going in my office because not only one, can I close the door and be me, you know, and have my imaginary friends in there. Not only can I do that, I, I've got an amp and speakers in there. Which um I was gonna have in the studio here and and I'd bought the amp and me and my mum we had an argument about this amp because I'm like what am I supposed to do I've got the amp and speakers you know um when are we gonna set them up and I think mum was just like you know they're not being set up in the cellar because I wanted to get rid of this boombox we had in there in the cellar um but now um we got the office and I'm like. Can I have the amp and speakers in there, mother? Um, yes, Stephen, you can have the amp and speakers in there. So the amp and speakers are in there. And I've got the iPod in there. And I just... And, and now the iPod just lives in there. Um, the video iPod. And it's like... It's, it's, it's one of my favourite iPods that I have. Because it's, it's 80 gigs worth. And it's got all the music you'd ever want on it. Um, you know, but we'll soon have the iPad living in there too when we get Spotify on. So we'll have Spotify for a little bit and we'll also have the, um, the iPod. So we'll have all the music in there that we could ever want, which, which you should have, you know, you should be in the comfort of your own. I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll be having the DAB radio that's sat on the, on the chest of drawers in there because I can plug that in the amp too. So it's like the little hi-fi corner on my desk, <laughs> the listening area. I mean, I'm I'm going to be doing a lot in the office pretty soon, you know, um, creating, reading, um, and hopefully um, I'm trying to talk Dad into, you know, hopefully having my other office stuff in there, so it's just, you know, um, but the most important thing is, I've got somewhere I can go, you know, um, and mummy and dad, they put their stuff in there too sometimes, because there's a bit of, you know, which I don't mind, um, but, um, it's my space, you know, they don't invade it. Um, 
they let me go in there when I want, really. Um, and I love it. And it's where I can let off a bit of steam. And I think everybody should have that. Everybody should have that shed in the garden. If, you know, because it's like people are worried about what's what the what's going on in their in their world what's going on in their universe that they're creating and people may have struggles but no one's encouraged you know no one's the the parents are also not bringing things up at the dinner table that should be spoke about and i think when Dad talks about stuff at the dinner table. It can be educational. And, you know, and of course, we all talk about it. But I think at mealtimes is a time where you need to bring things up. You know, because it's the only time you can get across. And take note, I mean, I keep. Telling my parents to do this. Take note what's going on. Because you might want to bring it up at the dinner table. They don't, of course. They they ask me questions, but they don't ever bring things up at the dinner table that they've probably heard in the office. I mean, they don't... It doesn't ever happen, but... Um, You know, it's encouraging people to be more creative. You never know. You might want to step in that world. And it's going to be really uncomfortable for you to do it. Unfortunately, um, I've not had floor time with dad, as they call it. Um... You know, we have our football in the afternoon, which I don't really like playing football. But I enjoy that because it's like bonding for for dad, really. And, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously, if you can't, um, if you're struggling to, you know, go into the world, try and think, think maybe, well, we'll go... Um, Mummy used to take me to, like, Gulliver's World and stuff like that. But it was only on the girls' terms. It was never... I was like, Mummy, take me to, you know... Um, but I remember one time, actually, uh, for my birthday, um, they took me to Gulliver's and strung the girls along. And uh, it was only because I liked going on the teacups... And um, I'm more a water ride person than a fairground person because I've learnt water rides, you know, you can do so much more. And most of the time you can control it, 
but uh, yeah, I'm a water ride person by far. That's why I love going to centre parks. For me, going to centre parks is um, riding the super slides, as I call them. But um, I go down that outside slide, but you know those tubes. <laughs> but you know, if I was a parent for my kid, I'd be like, floor time, be essential. But if if you weren't comfortable with doing that, maybe you could. I don't know. Maybe if if your kid was into building, you might take them on a. Well, you're into playing builders and, uh, you know, playing building companies. Why don't we actually go to a building company and see what they do? Um, I remember when I was eight years old, and this is kind of going off the beaten track. My real dad took me um, to Fairwoods to see the trucks, um, to feel the trucks. And um, I felt this digger one day and um, I turned around to, to my dad. Yes, I said the wheel, the wheel at the front is uh, smaller than the wheel on the back. So when I went home, I went and got my toy tractors out, <laughs> feeling the wheels, you know. And But again, I go, right, if you're into building, let's go to a building yard or... You know, let's go to a builder's yard and let's see what they do. You know, you can actually, you know, let's go for a go for a walk, wander around on the a builder's yard, and you know, maybe it could be a real educational trip out, and um, you know, people will get something from that. You know, um, so it's you accepting that you're going to be comfortable with it and floor time is a major step and i wouldn't advise anybody to do it at the beginning um in my mind of a burger episode in fact i'm going to do it in episode six is floor time is something that um i think all parents should do um they just you know it's like floor time is something you have to commit to it you know you have to you have to go right i'm gonna i'm gonna do floor time today i want to do 10 you must do only five or ten minutes of floor time but obviously if you're if you're like me if you've got you know the tip edge of asperger's syndrome or something i would have loved somebody to have come in and played beyblades or whatever with me um I remember my sister used to come and play PlayStation with me. That was that was fun. Or um you know. And um we spent hours playing PlayStation. But before I end this uh episode I want to say you have to be comfortable. You have to make sure they're going to be comfortable for you to go in their world. It's going to be difficult to do it. It's going to be it's it's going to be strange at first because it's their world and you're stepping foot in it. And so you have to gradually do it. You have to gradually do it. 
and um you know um and don't ever say this is the end and don't ever change it if you're gonna if you've put that much effort into encouraging your your kids to do all that be a part of it whatever they do you know and you know make sure they've learnt from it um Anyway, that's uh, the end of this week's episode, and I hope you've liked it, and it's been a bit explicit in places, but um, I'm having to leave all that in for educational purposes.